Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger for this week's message from Story Point Church. So, open your Bibles to the New Testament. Now, probably you're worried. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. It's going to be a long day. Nope, we won't go over time today. But I want to go to the New Testament because I, I want to show you a pattern of something incredibly important in Scripture that I think is a pattern that we ought to follow in our own lives. Let me tell you where this came from. So for several weeks, I have been um, thinking about this thought of how, how powerful the pen is. How incredibly sharp and helpful, or it could be hurtful, the written word is. And you know, the truth is, we have lost a lot of the art of the written word. And I think there are a lot of reasons for that. One is because we're incredibly busy, so we have a lot more things to put our, our attention to and our time to. But two, I think the fact that now we have a limit of 144 characters to say what we really want to say... Twitter? Does anybody tweet in here? No tweeters? Okay. Well, the rest of the world tweets. Us, we're just different, I guess. But even, even outside of Twitter, you've got this idea that let's just get in there and do short blurbs. Okay, Instagram. How long do you have for Instagram? Uh, and, and, okay, what's the one that is a short amount of time? Snapchat and TikTok. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm talking about. You can tell I'm not on those. So Snapchat and, and TikTok, it's like a, get in there, you got 30 seconds or whatever, you got to say what you got to say, so you got to say the best of the best and then you move on. But here's the thing that's been going through my heart and in my head the last several weeks. If we don't consider the true power of the pen, then what we actually believe and what we actually think and what we actually say will likely be forgotten by most. Why is this important? Because there are people in your life and people in my life who need to know exactly how we feel about them. Now, some of y'all are like, I'll tell you what I feel about you. No, no, not those people. I'm talking about the people that we love and that we care about. So question, just a, just a question. Do the people that you love and that, that you feel strongly for and with, do they know how you feel? Now, most of us would probably say, I think so. I hope so. I, I believe maybe so. But the truth is, they may or may not if you've never told them. And not only just told them, but if you've spoken it to them and you haven't written it to them, then chances are good that they may not fully comprehend exactly what you think. And I want to say to you that today the goal of this message is to help you begin and to develop a pattern and a habit of writing down to people you love, people in your life that need to know what you believe about them, I want you to get into the habit of consistently starting to send those letters, starting to write those letters, because the difference that it could, and I would say will, make in their life is un... I don't even know if this is a word, but it's uncalculable. 
incalculable. You cannot put a measure to it. Have you ever heard from your parent or your parents these three words? I love you. You know, I'm actually shocked to know how many, how many people have never heard those three words from their mother or their father. It is astounding to me. And you wonder why. Well, we, we say, well, they just don't know how to communicate well. They're just not comfortable with that. I get all that. This is not to cast blame or judgment. This is simply to say that those three words are not only incredibly important, but they are incredibly powerful. And the num- truly, the number of people that I know who have never heard that from their parent, every time they tell me I never heard that, there is a sense of regret and mourning from that person to me. So I want to say to you, you cannot change your past, but you can change your now and your future in this way. So let me give you a, a, a starting point, okay? Let me tell you why this is important, and then we're going to jump into the New Testament. So Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11 says this. It says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Just, just put those words into a picture, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. What's a fountain? It's something that is giving. It's something that is is never ending. It's something that uh, that is refreshing, not only to see, but also something refreshing to taste and to hear. And there's a lot of senses involved with that, right? So the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Of course, the next part of that says, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. We don't want to go there, right? Um, We don't talk about Bruno, so thank you. Um, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. And look at uh, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 24. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the taste and health to the body. Now, the ESV says gracious words. So pleasant words or gracious words are a honey or a honeycomb. They are sweet to taste and health to the body. Have you ever received words from somebody about you or to you that just made you smile, made you feel like, man, that is, that is amazing. I've never, I don't even know how to describe the feeling. I just know that when you said those or when you wrote those, it changed me. It did something inside of me. It encouraged me. Have you ever had that happen? I'm sure all of us could think about that. We need that, but listen, we need to be that for the people in our lives. So very simply, have you ever written a letter to the people that you love and told them what you think of them? Most of us in this room, the answer to that would probably be no. But it doesn't have to be no after today. I want to invite you, this is the end of the message, okay? I want to invite you to make a list of all the people you care about and all the people that, have, that, that, that you love and one by one start writing them letters. There's a couple of reasons we don't do that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I want you just to plod through this, methodically go through this. You might say, well, what would I say? What, what would I possibly say? I mean, I, mean I, don't, I don't know what to tell them. Well, I'm glad you asked. In the New Testament... There are 27 books, right? These 27 books were written by multiple different authors, but out of the 27 books, we have 21 of them that are called the epistles. What does the word epistle mean? Do you know? A letter. 
The word epistle means letter. So six out of the New Testament books are not letters. You've got the first four, which are the Gospels. And then you've got Acts, which is uh, actually the second part of, Luke, of, of, of the Gospel of Luke, basically. But it's the, it's, it's the foundation of the church. And then you have uh, Revelation, which is apocryphal or, or uh, uh, end-time stuff. But in between those, you have these things called the epistles or the letters. Now, the first section of letters are letters from Paul to churches. So they're not to an individual, they're, they're to, a, to the different churches, Corinthians and Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, and the Romans. It's, it's, it's to, to the, basically to the churches there. And then you have what's called the pastoral epistles. That would be First and Second Timothy, um, Philemon, and Titus, right? Those four right there. Those are the four pastoral epistles. Those were written, we believe anyways, to specific people. But then you have the, what's called the general epistles. And the general epistles, First Peter, Second Peter, First, Second John, you know, all of those. But even, even though they were written to different people in different plate reasons, they were all letters, and there's a commonality in them. So let's start with Romans. We're going to try to get through as many as these we can. Let's start with Romans. So, so what should you say in these letters? And by the way, let me just clarify. What you write to the person that you love is not Holy Scripture. You're not trying to duplicate the words of God. You and I could never duplicate the words of God. There is one Bible that is infallible, indisputable, and, and all those other things. So, so we're not writing inerrant words. What we're doing is we're saying, listen, I need you to know what I think about you. And we're going to use the Bible uh, the biblical letters as a model for our letters. So Romans chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ because of the news of your faith. The first thing we want to do is we want to begin and let the content of the letter flow from thankfulness. You're going to see this in virtually every single letter in the New Testament, that thankfulness is where it begins, and most of the time, or often, thankfulness is where it ends. Why would this be the case? Because it's out of thankfulness that you're speaking these things. You're not telling them as a judge, you're not telling them as a, as a cop or as a schoolmaster, you're telling them these things as a friend, as a parent, um, as, a, as a child, whatever. You're telling them these things out of thankfulness because there's somebody in your life that are important to you. And so the Scripture says, I thank my God, and then he gives a reason. He says, because of the news of your faith. Now there are five key, um, um, uh, 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 I don't, I don't I say things, that's a horrible way to say it, but there are five things that, that are consistent all throughout these letters. The first of which is faith. Paul is noting a, the faith of the Romans. I suggest to you when you write your letters, speak things that are dealing with important eternal matters, not just the simple performance-based matters. And let me tell you what I mean. Paul says... I thank my God because of the news of your faith. Faith is evidenced by their works, but it's the faith that is important and that he's highlighting, not the works that he's highlighting. 
I see a lot of stuff on social media about how wonderful our children are, our grandchildren are, whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. When little Johnny hits a home run, we should celebrate that. And the whole world really does need to know that. And probably if you have video, it would be even better. Because little Johnny is definitely going to the majors. I mean, the, you, you just ask anybody. But I'm being facetious there. But here's the thing. We should celebrate those things. We really should. In fact, I try to, celeb I try to celebrate stuff that, that will make people laugh. If you know me, that's my, my number one goal on Facebook. Make you laugh. If I can make you laugh, even if I look stupid, I'm good with that. Laughter is a high value. But here's the thing. If the only thing we're telling the people we love are performance-based, then what we're teaching them is, I love you or I value you because of what you do, because of how you act. And we're teaching them that in order to get our love or order to get our acceptance or in order to get our praise, they must do something for that. And you know the danger of that? That is not in any way, shape, or form what grace is. Amen? So what we need to be doing is starting to think about telling people not performance-based things, that's okay, we don't stop doing that, but don't neglect the deeper, more, more, more spiritually rooted character things, integrity things, uh, eternal things. And so we're going to tell them things about them that we see in them. Paul says, because of the news of your faith, go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you haven't guessed, most all of what we're going to be doing, not all, but most of it, it's going to be in chapter 1's. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 says this, I always thank my God for you. See, there it is again. Thankful heart. I'm thanking God. Why? Because of the grace of God. So there's this, uh, the second one. Or actually, there, there's, really I would call that the fourth one, but faith and grace. So he sees faith and he sees grace. And then he goes on to say, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord. We're going to talk about that another time. All right, go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is a little bit more difficult. If you'll see in 2 Corinthians, there is none of those um, extended thankfulness. There's none of those extended uh, conversation. Why? Because he wants to get right into what he's saying. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just go ahead and give you the five so you can see, okay? It's faith, it's hope, it's love, it's grace, and it's peace. Those are the five things that the letters to the different churches and the different people, those five things are a common theme throughout all of them. Grace, excuse me, faith, hope, love. You ever seen those three before? Where is it? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? It says if you're a clanging cymbal, if you're all these things, a, a, a sounding horn, yet you have not love, then you, know, you might as well just be quiet and go, go sit in your car. That's not what it says, but it's basically the meaning of it. He says faith, hope, and love. These three remain. What does that tell us? That tells us that faith, hope and love in a person are the things we ought to be recognizing, the things we ought to be drawing out. But then he says this. He says, but the greatest of these is love, right? Faith, hope, and love. 
Keep that in the back of your mind. So 2 Corinthians and 1 Corinthians. And then we go on to Galatians. Now Galatians is interesting because again, the only thing that you find is grace to you and peace from God the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, right? You don't find any, any, I'm thankful for these things. Here's why. And even into Ephesians, um, you have a little bit, but not nearly as much. So here's the thing. In Corinthians and in Galatians, you had letters that were written to chastise or to correct or to discipline. And here's the point that I want to make to you about this. uh, Write the things of praise. Write the things of encouragement. Write the things that they need to hold on to and carry with them and be able to go back and read it and say, this is what they really think about me. Say the things of discipline and criticism and correction. Here's why. Now, I'm not saying this is a hard and fast rule. I'm just saying that if you write it down, there is a potential for misunderstanding because you can't see their face, you can't hear their inflection, you can't know what they were saying without saying it. And so when you write it down, it is black and white and open to interpretation however your mood or your preconceived feelings will dictate that you hear it. Amen? So don't write the stuff that is disciplinary and correction. Those really should be, mostly anyways, face-to-face. But the things of praise, they should be written down. And here's why. When you say something to somebody, those words feel good, they do mean something. You can remember those the rest of your life. But when you have it written down, you have a hard copy of the fountain of life. Incredible. You know, I hear stories of World War II, how people would get married or they would want to get married and then they would send letters back and forth for years and how they would keep these letters and and stash them away and then the grandkids could open up a shoebox and find the letters and read how grandma and grandpa were head over heels in love with each other for 60 years. You ever heard those stories? Aren't those incredible? The only way that happened is because they, they took the time to pull out a piece of paper and write it down. So you might ask the question, so why don't we do this more? Why don't we write these things down? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one, this is going to hurt, but I think it's true. We're lazy. Is that that fair? We're lazy. It's easier to pick up a phone and just dial, yo, what's up? Hey, I love you. See you. Bye. I mean, that's way easier, right? Not only is it easier, uh, and and it's a little bit lazy to not want to write it down, but to actually sit down and write it down, we have to think through our thoughts. We can't just say it. We actually have to read it and know how it's going to come across on the page, and so it slows you down. And then, here's the other thing. It causes us to be vulnerable. This is incredibly important. When you sit down to write it out... You are laying it all out there. You are putting it out there forever. Somebody can forget words, but they can't, they can't forget what you write. You're putting it out there forever. And so there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of vulnerability involved with this. But believe me when I tell you, when you are vulnerable on paper. Now look, I say on paper 
if, if you do it digitally, that, that's fine too. I think paper's probably the best, but you, you got to just work with what you got, right? We are in 2022. Um, but when, you, when you're vulnerable and you put it out there, what you're actually doing is you're acting like the biblical authors were acting. If you go through and read it, keep going with me. Uh, we were just in 2 Corinthians and then Galatians. And let's go into Ephesians. So in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed, uh, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He chose us. He predestined us. He lavished on us. He made us... Uh, uh, he made known to us the mystery of his will. You were also sealed. I'm just going through the highlights of the verses up through 13. Verse 15. That is why since I heard about your faith, your love for all the saints, I never stopped giving thanks. Okay? I went all the way through there just to get to that point. It's thankfulness that he's saying these things. So what is he saying? What he's saying is what we need to include in our letters. Remember, with a thankful heart, we're going to write down how we feel about somebody. What we're going to write down is going to include or have these five characters, or it's going to be noticing these five things, the faith of the person, the love of the person, the hope of the person, the grace of the person, and the peace of the person, right? But now we're getting into specifics. Instead of just saying, I see your faith and it encouraged me, I see your, your kindness and encouragement. I see your hope. We're actually going to start being specific, right? So Paul does this in um, verse uh, 3. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He chose us. He predestined us. This is much more about God. He lavished on us. He made known to us. And then he said, you also were sealed. I heard about your faith, this is verse 15, and your love for all the saints. So I heard about your faith, and I heard about your love for all the saints, and I never stopped giving thanks. And he goes on, that's not as specific as I was actually thinking, but um, you get the point there. Go on to Philippians. In Philippians, starting with chapter 1, verse 3, I give thanks. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel. And then he says, it is right for me to think this way because I have you in my heart. Verse 9, I pray, praise for three things, that your love will keep growing, that you will prove the things that are superior, and that you are filled with the fruit of righteousness. There's the next thing we're going to add. So we're going to, let's just keep going back through this. With thankfulness, we're going to send letters to the people that need to know how we really feel. And we're going to talk about things of faith, things about love, things about hope, things about grace, things about peace. We're going to encourage them about what God is doing in their life. And in doing that, we're also going to start adding the prayers that we have for them and what we hope to see God do in them. Could you imagine getting a letter from somebody that you care about and when you open that letter it says dear Jeff I just realized that I never took the time to tell you exactly what I think about you and so I want to do it now I want you to know that I have a deep love for you because I see your faith 
And I see the hope that you bring, whatever, right? I just put my own name there because that's me. But could you imagine getting a letter yourself that has those things in there? What would that do to you? What would that do inside of you? Have you ever gotten a letter like that? Let me see by show of hands. Can anybody think of a letter that, that has been that encouraging and that specific? Has anybody ever gotten that? Let me see your hand. There's a handful in here. What did that do to you? Talk back to me. Humbling? That is pretty true, isn't it? Did it, did it reinforce what you already thought or, or what you were wondering? In, in other words, you, you were wondering, am I doing any, making any difference? Am I showing any grace? Am I, am I, am I really a person that I, that I want to be? And did it just confirm the work of God? And after you heard that, did it make you want to do that and be that all the more? Yeah, it did, didn't it? So I had an experience a couple of day, uh, weeks ago. Uh, somebody advertised on Facebook that they were giving away fencing. Um, of course, you know, it was eaten up on the bottom, but, you know, I, I didn't want to buy fencing, but I could just cut off four inches and have a shorter fence and have a cheap fence, right? So, so, so I, I, I went to see them, and there were two ladies there, a girl and her friend, and, and we talked for a few minutes, and they had already unloaded the truck and laid it up against the house, and we finished our, our business, and, and, and I was like, okay, y'all can go ahead and go. I'm going to load it. And as they started to leave, or so I thought, my phone rang, and I had to deal with a call. And after about five or six minutes of the call, I said goodbye, and I hung up. And then I walked over to start lifting the fence. And the one friend who, who was with the lady that was giving away the fence, she was still there, and she said, can I talk to you for a moment? Scared the living daylights out of me. Because when you think you're alone on a, on a lonely street, and then you have somebody like close to you speak to you, it just it puts you for a, for a, for a loop. Yeah, yeah, sure. Here's what she said. She, she, she blew me away. And I only tell you this just to tell you that, that this actually happens. She said, I just want you to know, um, you spoke at a school back about, I don't know, 22 years ago. Do you remember that? And I go, whoa, I've slept and ate breakfast since then. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, actually, yeah, I, I remember, because it was a Bible club or something. She said, I just want you to know that, that there was fruit that came out of that. When you spoke, you said things that impacted those students. And I just want to say thanks. I was like, wow, how do you remember that? And in that moment, God was reaffirming, because I was already thinking about this message, God was reaffirming to me that the things that happen in your life, when they are reaffirmed by somebody else to you, now that wasn't written, that was spoken, but it had a powerful effect. It made me want to thank God, and it made me want to be more than I ever could possibly be in faithfulness to Him. You ever had that happen to you? That's powerful. So Philippians chapter 1, I give thanks. Why the partnership? Because it's right for me to think this way, because I have you in my heart. See that vulnerability there? And then he says, this is what I pray for. I pray that your love will keep on growing. He prays for three things. That you will approve the things that are superior, and that you will be filled with the fruit of righteousness. The last thing I would add into, or maybe not the last, but one of the last things I would add into your letter are the prayers that you have for that person. Now let me tell you when this is most powerful, I think, 
in somebody's lives. I think there are two or three key areas. One, between the ages of 16 and 20. Between 16 and 20 is a hard time in life, right? It, it's not hard like adult hard with mortgage and all that kind of stuff hard. It's a different kind of hard. But there is an internal struggle in those ages that you need somebody to believe in you. You need somebody, anybody, to pour life into you to say, just keep on keeping on. And when you get something like that, it could be the difference in the entire trajectory of your life. So that's one, one stage, the end of a person's life. So in the 80s, 70s, 90s, whatever it might be, don't wait too long because you might wait too long. But if there's somebody in your life that is much older, that is a very important time to send them a letter. Here's why. Because that's the time at which you look over your life and you wonder, have I really done anything important at all? It's the time in your life where you're wondering, did I impact anybody? Did I really leave, live for Jesus? What kind of regrets do I have? Because you're, you're counting, when you're young, you're, you're counting down the clock to all the things of life that you're experiencing, right? Because these are all new things coming. When you're old, take, it for, take old for whatever it is, you're looking back, and it's, it's a farther distance from when you were born to when you're going to step into eternity. That is a hard time in life. I haven't been there yet, but believe me, I've walked people through that. And I can tell you, there's a lot of need in that moment to get something that says, well done. You have been faithful, and I've seen it, and I know it. Let me tell you the third area. It's when you're about 45 to 55. That is a critical area. Let me tell you why. Because this is the area where you're at halftime. All that you've done, and see, we always think that when we're young, we're going to change the world, and then we realize, hey, now I'm no longer young, and I haven't changed the world. What am I going to do now? But you still have enough energy in life that you could still make a change, and so you're in that, anybody there right now? Am I right? It's a strange part of life. What if in that time of your life you got letters from people who loved you who said, let me just tell you what I see in you. Let me tell you what I believe God is doing in you. Let me tell you how I've grown from watching your faith, how I've been encouraged from listening to your stories, how I've known that I have hope because you have hope. What would that do to you? It would change Everything. I actually, this past week, was praying. I was asking God um, just, just to show me some things about me and about, about his purpose in my life and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I, I, the first I've shared this was actually this morning because it's, it's just, it's just a, I just didn't think to share it, actually. But I, on Monday I was praying and the Lord showed me something so very clearly. I mean, it just, it's, he sprung up inside of me this this, this, this vision of, 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 of my purpose in life, and I was like, wow, that's so cool. But then I said, Lord, I don't know if this is me or if this is you. Is it what I want or is it what you want? So I'm going to ask you to confirm it in a specific way. And one of those ways was, I'm asking 
for you to let somebody confirm these words to me who's a stranger or somebody, somebody that I would never expect it from. The next day I went to lunch with somebody who I didn't know. I had met him one time. He said, hey, let's go to lunch. I said, sure, let's go to lunch. By the way, ate Panera bread. First time I've ever been satisfied. I got the soup and sandwich and salad. It was great. Satisfied at Panera. That's a little plug for them. In that time of lunch, he said these words. He told me what he saw God doing in me. And then he said, let that be confirmation for you. I was like, no, he didn't. Like, no, God didn't, not him. I was thinking, that is incredible. What I got from that was a reminder of what you could do for someone else if you told them, preferably by writing, what you see God doing at work in their life. If you go through Philippians, if you go in through Colossians, again, chapter 1, verse 3, we thank God. Why? Because we, verse 4, we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. We heard the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for us in heaven. Do you see those three? And it is bearing fruit. In other words, I'm seeing in your life the result of the faith, hope, and love that I am seeing evident in your life. Then he goes on to say, I'm praying for you. Chapter 1, verse uh, 9 and following. He says, I'm praying for, number one, that you be filled with the knowledge of his will. Number two, verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Number three, bearing the fruit of every good work. Number four, that you would grow in the knowledge of God. And number five, that you would be strengthened with all power. Number six, that you may have great endurance and patience. And then number number whatever number is next, that you would give thanks. In your letter, I want to invite you to end that letter by giving them a prayer of what you're praying for them. I'm praying that God will do this in your life. Now, you might say to me, by the way, that's just Colossians. We didn't even get to 1 Timothy. We didn't get to 2 Timothy and Titus. We'll get, we'll get here in just a moment because I want to show you something. But all throughout the Scripture, there's this pattern of writing letters all throughout the New Testament. I would propose to you that that should be the pattern that we use to write our letters to the people we love and care about. I know I've repeated the same thing over and over and over, but it's for a reason. I want you to see how blatantly obvious it is and how blatantly simple it is to do something that will be a fountain of life for the people that you love and care about in your life. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy. He gives him a charge, and I think it's this charge that, that Timothy must have held on to. Remember, Paul told Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God inside of you. He was the ultimate encourager. Listen to what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, excuse me, chapter 6, verse 11. It says, but you, man of God, Flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you have, been made, uh, which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses and in the presence of God who gives life to all in Christ Jesus who gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate. I charge you to keep this command without fault or failure until the appearing of our Lord Christ Jesus. Jesus. Um, and so 
what he's doing here is he's given this charge saying, this is what you were called to. You're not the Holy Spirit in somebody's life. You're not the words of God in somebody's life, but you can be an instrument of God to bring the Word of God up into their life to where it gives them true life. So, you might say to me, I started this earlier, you might say to me, yeah, but this works for believers. What if the person doesn't have faith and hope and love? What do I do there? I mean, they, they do have some things in their life that I admire, but they're not, they're not godly people. They're not followers of Jesus. What do I do? Well, I'm glad you asked. You know, a letter like this could be an introduction to the gospel that is different than somebody hearing a preacher preach about it. A vulnerable letter to somebody that lifts them up for the things you can praise about them and then when you get to the prayer part, I want you, you say something like this. I want you to know that I'm praying that you will find hope in the gospel as I found. And I hope you've seen in me these things. And I hope that you will take this to heart. And I hope that you will believe in the same way so that you'll be right with God and I'll see you in eternity. Just use your own words as God would lead you. But this actually is a way that you can share the gospel in a very, I say easy, but in a very non-threatening and encouraging way. So question. Go back all the way to the beginning. Have you ever gotten a letter like this? Have you gotten more than one? Have you ever written a letter like this? I'm going to throw a little caveat. Writing a letter like this is important. I think all of us should do it. But you want to know something that you could just go a little bit further and, and do something even more impactful? Is when you write a letter like this and you let the world see what you think about that person. When you write a letter that says, this is how I think of you, but I want everybody else to know. I want to testify to them about who you are. I, I don't know how this works in women. I imagine it's the same thing. And I only say that because I'm not a woman. And I, being married to a woman, I know women think differently, right? I mean, she, her needs are different than my needs. But I can tell you that as a man, one of the most incredible things you can do for a man is to brag on him in front of other people. Am I right? Men, men, are, men are typically like closed off, but when you start bragging on them to other people, they kind of go, they do, man. They're like, it just pops up. I mean, they're like, I'm, I, I don't know what it is, but it does. When my wife brags on me to other people, I pretend like I don't like it, but I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I'd never say, but, but here's the thing. Do that about your kids. Do that about your parents. Do that about your friends. Do that about uh, the, some people you work with. Do that about your heroes. What if we started this, this movement of starting to be brutally honest with love to where everybody knew exactly where you stood on them when it comes to the things that you love about who they are not just about what they do. What would that do in their life and in your life? What would that do in our church? In fact, I've actually seen this, 
And, and I'm thinking, man, I didn't say nothing about it, and y'all are already doing it. I've seen it. I think there's just this thing that causes us to want to start doing this. So let me end with that. Make a list. Begin to write letters to people that need to hear what you think of them and how much you love them and why. Try not to be sappy. Try not to be, you know, be serious if you can. Make sure you, they hear the words that are going to lift them up. I think for children especially, they need to know. I have been at a lot of funerals where there has been people walking by the casket and you know because you've had conversations with them that there's a lot of regret. There's a lot of I hope and I think and I wish. Never go to a funeral. Make it your goal that you never go to a funeral where you ever have to hope or wonder or wish that they knew how you really felt. That's a big goal. My list is long. So I'm just going to do it the rest of my life. Best I can do. And I'm going to ask God, God, who needs a letter at this time? And then as I write it, I'm going to trust that God will use it to spur life in somebody else. Amen? Was this helpful to you? It's a little bit different, I know. It's not, it's not the normal sermon I would, I would preach, but I believe so strongly in this that I've been waiting for a couple of months for the right time and the right place, and I think that would be today. Will you stand with me? If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, the Bible says it's by grace that you're saved through faith, not of works. You cannot be right with God based on how good you are because you're not good enough. You can't have hope without the hope of the gospel. Matter of fact, God is not asking you to commit to Him. He's asking you to surrender to Him because it truly is God's grace. It's by grace you're saved through faith. So this morning, will you surrender your life to Jesus? It's hard for us to do that because we are, uh, we're stubborn. But when we finally let go of control, God does something marvelous in our lives. Let's sing together. If you have something you want to pray about, you need somebody to pray with you, we got some folks who will stand up here and pray with you. Uh, just use this time to worship and to, to deal with God, whatever you might be saying to